Welcome to the Distracted Driving Podcast. I am Sean Genovese. And I'm Rex Williams. Oh, no pause there that time. Just a little bit of pause. Just nope. a little bit. Didn't have to wait for it. Here. Yeah, okay, good. We got things to do. We're, we're very busy. Yeah. Creativity yeah. and innovation wait for no podcast preambles. Yeah. Uh, this is episode 17. I can't remember now if I said that or not. Um, more with our friend Kevin Meredith. Kevin. Who is on a road trip, if you didn't hear the last two episodes. Um, he was in Glacier National Park when we talked to him for this conversation. But I, I've heard through the grapevine that maybe he's on the move. Yes, yes, he is. And I was able to catch him in person. You know, we should have done some recording, but we just kind of hung out. It was fun. So he was coming down north. I'm up in Everett, and uh, we met at the at the Ivers uh, Fish Place and right on the, the coast of the Puget Sound. And so some great views. There's an there's a l- old lighthouse that you could tour. And I met his kids and his wife and his dog. They have a dog. And the huge rig. He's got this huge 30-something foot, like, super tall fifth wheel uh, hooked to the back of the truck. And um, <laughs> he was telling me about the close calls and, like, low... Low uh, overhangs that they had to make it through and stuff. Well, so I, I imagine that's especially um, that's especially nerve wracking, considering I believe it belongs to his brother in law. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that so... could make Thanksgiving and Christmas a little awkward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it looked great. Uh, they started in Indiana, and so they're coming. They came across. They're coming down. They're going down to California. But they're not going home because uh, they rented out their house for a year. So they right. are out well, and they for have, a year. And they have more parks to visit. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to do like every park in, in, the, in the country. And, uh, and the kids are, you know, they're fine. Uh, this little girl is doing a, a project for school uh, called Ice Cream Across America. So she's having ice cream at all these places. And asking them like questions, so so we got this place at, at the Diamond Knot Brewery. They have have really awesome ice cream. Um, and, Love the uh, Diamond Knot Brewery, the by Dur- the way. Diamond Knot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were like out of a bunch of flavors. It was kind of it's kind of a downer. But they had some, you know. So we we got some, and she asked her questions, and uh, so it's going to be part of her. Well, <laughs> we'll have to have her on the show. Oh yeah, she was great. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, well, how come you guys didn't go to Diamond Knot? But apparently you did. Well, he grabbed some adult beverages there for him and the wife. Yes. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but we just got ice cream and then we went to, you know, we went to Ivers, had fish and, and then ate out there on the, so, on the pier. Wait, 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 wait. So you guys had ice cream before you had dinner? No, no, no. Or we lunch or? Ivers first. Okay. Ice cream. Sorry, All right. Right. Yeah, but the seagulls came and they were like so close. Like try, they they get your fries if you drop a fry or something. You know they're right on top of it. It's crazy. Well, that's uh, pretty cool. I'm I'm hoping to be able to meet up with Kevin myself here in a couple of weeks. Uh, maybe have him guest lecture in my classroom. But in the meantime, um, this episode actually starts off talking about uh, some coursework that he put together for a class at Claremont McKenna which is a college here in uh, the L.A. area. 
Um, and it's pretty interesting. He talks about building up the uh, innovation muscle memory, uh, amongst other things. Yeah. So really I think uh, I think without further ado, we will just uh, get right back into the conversation with episode 17 and our continuing conversation with Kevin Meredith. Or Kevin Ovation. <laughs> Dot com. <laughs> That's the first thing I said when I, when I met him. Kevin Ovation. <laughs> like, like there's some kind of... All right. Well, let's get to it. Enjoy. Because you're you're teaching a class on innovation. I I taught at Claremont McKenna College, a course I developed called Innovate Anything. And uh, throughout the semester, the whole idea was this is a liberal arts school, uh, very few technical uh, students. But in Claremont, it's a really special community in that there's a collection of colleges that all share the same course catalog, even though they're different colleges. Um, yeah, there's not five just, of them, right? I, I can't, I, I don't know if it's five or seven, because there's like graduate college also, so yeah, maybe okay. you can include those. But um, it's a really unique model in the US and um, was really lucky enough to, to do this class there. And the idea of Innovate Anything was so that anybody that wants to learn more about innovation, about any topic, can start to apply innovative thinking towards it. And we would take two disparate, seemingly disparate uh, topics every week for 15 weeks and force them to develop this muscle memory in order or capability to be able to take any topic in the future that they're exposed to, whether it's an academic project or uh, in their professional development, then they have the ability to look at these things and try and find new pathways for innovation to be realized. And so the first week, for example, is cinematic arts and the law. And so say, what are the greatest innovations that have ever happened in, in the legal system or in law? What are the greatest innovations that have ever happened in cinema? And they look at those. And then at the end, and we look at other factors too, like what are the current trends? Where do you think things are going? Um, what, what key enablers were there? But you take these two things and then you say, okay, now, if you only had those two topics and what you know about those two topics today, what new innovation could you potentially propose to the world? And so uh, by doing that over and over again, 30 different topics, 15 times throughout the, the semester, they start to develop the ability to do that on their own for whatever it is they're trying to do. Um, so that was, that was, I just wanted to like, that's really cool. It, it was a really fun class to do and I'm, I'm looking to do it in more places as well. Yeah. So there's, so there's next semester's project. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I've got all the topics and the research and the reading and everything laid out for you. So whatever you need. I, uh, I, yeah. So I, um, the, the two classes I'm, I'm, um, uh, I'm teaching each one. I have a, a main, uh, semester project. And so on the innovation and entrepreneurship one, they have to run a business for two weeks. It'll be around Thanksgiving. And so everything we're doing from now until then is we're, you know, basically we're building out these elements that are in the Venn diagram so that they're gaining exposure to those, uh, hopefully with the idea that they're going to apply the concepts to whatever they decide to sell. And I told them, look, it it could be a lemonade stand for all I care. It doesn't matter what you're selling. I did tell them though, just do it as if your, your mother will be keenly integrated into the business so you know we want to try to keep it uh, on the up and a little up. pg yeah yeah right 
Um, but so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what we end up with because uh, we're using the business model canvas yep. as their um, uh, their architecture for for planning out the business. Um, and yeah, I, I I like your idea though about uh, so the key here is building the muscle memory. I, I love that because you you get used to it and now they'll walk around and be able to look at things and they'll just start seeing innovation like yeah. they're in the matrix. Yeah, totally. And I, and I think, you know, another uh, bias that we see in, and it's part of this innovation washing or innovation theater is, um, you know, it has to be new. It has to be something really different in order for it to count as innovation. But to do adaptive reuse, to take something from one industry and apply it to another industry or one circumstance and, and appropriately apply it to another can accelerate innovation like much faster than if you go from blank canvas and having to do it from new. Um, and the idea that there's anything completely original out there, I would argue doesn't exist. Everything will branch back to something else in one way or another or multiple ways. And so uh, I just, we have that video, maybe you saw it, you know, like new is not enough. Like you yeah. can't define innovation based on new anything um, because it's a, it's a false way to think about it today. When the word was created back in the 1550s, maybe it was uh, totally fine, but we've come a long way since then in our understanding of business, of innovation, entrepreneurship. So we shouldn't, and the world in general. So like at the time that those words were created, the world was flat. <laughs> Sorry, flat earthers that are Rex's and, and Sean's audience. I'm, I'm just gonna <laughs> kill off your audience now if, if you have them. But like the world yeah. is not flat. We, we we're just pretty went from sure. five to two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. and then the other thing is that the Earth was the center of the universe. So like, how many people go around legitimately? that are informed at least and believe that those two things exist today. But we still believe that new is essential for innovation to occur. Like we have to mature our thinking and have better definitions, uh, which was one of the reasons why we came up with that definition because every major uh, dictionary out there had the word new in the definition to describe innovation. And it's just completely uh, false. I mean, I, I think uh, a good place to look as a as a metaphor, or maybe it's going to be an analogy. I haven't decided yet. But you, you look at music, and you know, very few things in music, if any, are are new. It's all the same yeah. notes. It's just different combinations of notes. Yeah. And and you talk about um, innovation with music. So if I take the definition, the conversion of creativity into value for stakeholders, how many songs? have we seen that are our hit songs that are old songs so they've already it's the same yep. song yeah, yeah. but somebody has done something one. different right yeah, yeah, it's yeah. rearranged the red hot chili peppers did uh uh love roller coaster which yeah. was a cover of uh, an Ohio player song they might I, they may, I don't know who wrote it originally i don't know either but but they've converted some creativity into value for stakeholders because now somebody likes that new version and if they didn't we wouldn't be talking about it right and it wouldn't it wouldn't be innovative totally yeah yeah cool. so um, yeah so now with that aside I just quickly we'll go through the system model because I think okay. it's foundational and I I hope that more people start thinking about innovation from a systems perspective. Um, 
we are a member of INCOSE, the International Systems Engineering Society, and um, trying to, to spur up an innovation working group within there uh, to help get some more awareness around innovation uh, from a systems perspective. But our model is, is comprised of seven components, six of which are little dots, and one is a ring that connects them all together four P's and three M's, all right? So the first P, purpose. Second, people. Third, places. Fourth, processes. The first M is methods. Second M is measures. And then the ring that connects all those things together is meta. And so uh, meta is, is comprised of some core elements, culture, data, interfaces and resources and we won't go through all of those things but the idea is through this model and the associated maturity representation of the model we think we can characterize and enhance any innovation uh, endeavor that is being pursued and the way that we do that is not by us saying here's what the best in the world looks like you should be doing this or nothing else because that's we're still so embryonic in our understanding at a, uh, an academic discipline of innovation that it's too early for that. But what you can hold yourself accountable for through this model is what is it that you say you're going to do to create value and what did you actually do within the time frame that you identify, whether that's one year, two years, three, whatever it might be, to actually produce that value. And you're validating that not only with, oh, look at the badge I put on my own chest, but what are your stakeholders saying and doing? Um, are you losing customers? Are you gaining customers? Are you, um, are you able to demonstrate greater value delivered to the people that are counting on you the most? And so uh, through this system model and the maturity model that goes with it, um, it's kind of the, the foundational way that we look at innovation. And all the companies that go through our incubator and accelerator programs get access to all the resources associated with ensuring they're doing innovation. Um, they're building that muscle memory for their own companies so that they can do innovation again and again. Um, one of the, the biggest frustrations I had leaving Boeing is every time I would try and help support a startup, they would think, oh, we put lightning in a bottle with our startups. That means we know everything there is to know about innovation. And so when we try and have constructive uh, conversations about how to do this routinely throughout the organization, um, it would break down and then ultimately they wouldn't want to spend money doing that when they could go buy some new tech developer or something like that, which is a fair trade-off, but maybe short-sighted as well. And so that's why we started to get into the incubator and the accelerator programs and partnering with organizations to deliver those programs so that we could legitimately help build companies to be stronger and uh, be able to do that innovation on their own again and again versus you know stumbling upon it perhaps uh, the first time. You know, what strikes me about looking at this list, um, your, three, your four Ps, your two Ms and a circle M, I don't know if that last yeah. one counts, but um, it does. You know, I so I, I look at the list, and I mean, going back to what we talked about before, these are things that would apply whether it's a a new venture, uh, it's a hundred year old company, 
Yep. It's something in between. Totally. Yeah, it's agnostic to industry. It's agnostic to size of organization. Um, and this was not intended uh, when we developed the model, but we've used this everything from an after action review all the way through helping plan out what a innovation program might look like for an entire country. Um, and so, you know, that's a huge spread of applicability that I, that I didn't anticipate when we developed it just in trying to distill how we were looking at things when we were at Boeing and then beyond. And so, um, I, I'm trying to articulate all of this into a book I've been working on, uh, basically since I left Boeing, but yeah, we're yeah. getting closer and closer to being done. That's part of one of my goals on this journey of, of, uh, turning into a mountain man is <laughs> to finish up the book. The, the book is called destination innovation and it's using this system approach, but it takes it and looks at it in terms of a, a travel guide, you know, Lonely Planet or any of the travel guides out there. There's a pretty standard format where it goes through, you know, what is, what is the history of the place you're going to? Um, what number of days do you have to stay there or to experience that place? And then um, what you do when you're in those places. And so we take that same approach, make it very visual. It's not, a black and white text business book by any means. It's like a hands-on, gritty, lots of pictures and illustrations to help have the book that I wish I always had when I was doing corporate innovation and the one that I still want to have to hand to clients and be like, hey, this is this is how we would recommend you think about innovation. So, wow, um, are, you using, are you using your travels as Yeah, exactly. So like uh, pictures that we're taking of unique places, people that we're meeting along the way that have a really interesting story that maybe hasn't been told before. Like we stayed at a ranch in Colorado uh, that does holistic land management and all organic meat. Um, and how he, like that's the future of ranching, but he's been doing it for 30 years. And there's been such reluctance to, to move in that direction. So like highlighting his story that, you know, it takes persistence on some of these things. It's not just overnight success when we think about a Google or an Amazon. Um, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it that you don't know about for the years leading up to the, the big splash. As somebody who enjoys traveling as well, I, I love that approach with the book. Um, are you self-publishing that or do you have a publisher lined up? Don't have a publisher. So that's the, we reached out, or, so self-publishing as of right now, um, we work with a, a strategic editor that has been doing self-publishing for a long time in California. And he really did a lot of help um, kind of reorganizing yeah. some of the, the key messaging and, and um, flow of the book but the the other thing is just the the book itself kind of leads you it's like a choose your own adventure almost at the back end of the book so the back end of the book instead of going to different neighborhoods in new york city it's each of those elements that we just walk through with the system model so you could read it all the way through but right before that section there's an assessment an online assessment to take to see which section you should actually start with. So it's almost like we choose your adventure for you and lay out the mapping 
based on the answers that you had, let's say, you know, your purpose is nailed down, but you really don't have any solid processes yet. And that shows in the assessment outcome. Let's start with the processes and not focus on enhancing incrementally the, the purpose part, because you have that nailed down. Let's move on to the things that you need to fill in the big gaps with um, and continue to enhance those things that you have stronger along the way. So we're trying to make it um, just really user-friendly um, and help respect people's time um, so that they don't have to read a 300-page book in order to get every nuance out of it. Yeah. That's so cool. How, uh, if you're able to say, uh, yeah. or comfortable saying, how many companies have gone through the incubator? We have had a couple dozen that have gone through. So okay. that's that includes uh, pre and post pandemic. We have opened now our next cohorts. Uh, we're trying to fill those. We can host, it's been really frustrating that you know, non-dilutive and free or non-fee uh, gets interpreted as being uh, non-value added potentially right. for people, right? Because you get what you pay for. Right. Um, but what that story doesn't tell is someone's paying us to deliver this for you so that you right. don't have to pay for it. Um, and so, you know, it, it's uh, a tricky thing. We've had 12 slots open in every cohort and the most we ever filled was eight. And so like we could have easily surpassed a hundred people that we've supported a hundred individual organizations we've supported in the time frame we've been operating, but we're like not connecting with the right people that are interested in these types of programs. And, and um, I think part of that is the, a challenge that we'll continue to face when we go into the communities that we choose to help support by not having as high a maturity in innovation and entrepreneurship capacity, there's maybe more skepticism or just a lack of understanding of what we're trying to provide them to, to have so that they can be more successful. The part that's on our shoulders is connecting to the right people to participate in our programs. Um, somehow there's, there's a disconnect there because these are, this, I'm not saying this like pounding on my chest, puffy chest, like proud. This is like, but these are really leading programs that we're offering at no expense to the participants other than their time and effort. Um, and, and so getting that um, participation up is, is crucial for us. So I, yeah, I just had a moment can... of creativity. Yeah, well, love yeah. it. Maybe we can improve uh, your numbers with both of our uh, both of know. our listeners. I got a, I got another idea, though. I, I just brought into existence something new. And let's, okay. let's see if we can convert this into value love for it. a stakeholder. So it, I'm going to I'm going to start with the assumption that um, somebody is not going to pursue the incubator because of the perception that free somehow does not equal value. Yeah. OK, great. Put a value on it. Charge seven thousand dollars for it. Yep. And then si simultaneously create a, uh, 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 what do you call it? Thank you. That's exactly the word I was looking for. A scholarship or a, you know, some yep. kind of a rebate program that they have to apply for. Yep. That's, you know, not terribly, uh, uh, you don't want to make it too hard. 
Yeah. But but now instead of getting something for free, they're getting something for seven thousand dollars that they don't have to pay for. Yeah. So that that we are thinking the same creative spot. Um, so we just put together what that pricing model looks like per cohort, and we are going to start offering it for people that want to spend the money um, to jump in. And then we'll always allocate a number of slots of those 12 that will be, uh, whether they're fellowships or scholarships, um, whatever language we want to use there to provide access to the programming uh, at no additional expense. So, I, I feel like we helped. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> and, yeah. and look, in the spirit of the wealth of networks, we're, we're not going to charge you for that idea. That's free. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> okay, well, that is the end of episode 17. And we got one more. Kevin this talks was... a lot. He's got a lot going on. And, you know, it's amazing. I asked him, like, how are you doing this, like, while you're on this trip? I mean, how are you working and stuff? It's like, oh, you know, I fit it in in between stuff. And, you know, he's got some backup and stuff. But I, I yeah, love it. It's I amazing. love it. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it, it was, a, I think, a 90-minute conversation. So um, <laughs> we're trying to keep it... Uh, we're trying to keep it digestible. Of course, yeah. it doesn't help that we talk so much before and after each episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I guess that's our job. Yeah. So <laughs> we do, though, we want to hear. We don't want it just to be us or our guests. We would love to get some engagement from the listeners. So yeah. if you've got a minute, um, go leave us a comment on your favorite podcasting platform. Um, you can also do it at the website if you go to distracteddrivingpodcast.com. Each episode that you click into, you can leave a comment there. Yeah, let's see your comments. What do you think? We're, Where we're are very... you? What are your favorite uh, national parks that uh, yeah, there you Kevin go. should go to? <laughs> or you know what? If you just want to go hit the like button, on if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, um, wherever podcasts are given away for free, just hit the like button. Give us some stars. Give us one star, two stars. Give us five stars. I don't know. Can you do ten? You know, everybody always tells you to, like, hit that notification bell. It's, it's so cheesy. Like, I hate it when people say that because you know no. that's what you want them to do. No. But, like, no, no, don't so don't do that. Don't like, do that. Come on. Don't hit just, the don't hit the bell. Hit the star. Just do whatever you star. want. Like, I, just, we're just glad you're listening. You know, that's fine. <laughs> We are glad you're listening, both of you. And so yeah. thank you so much. Um, yeah, shoot us. I think you can shoot us an email, too. Um, I don't remember yeah. what the email address is, though. So, yeah, yeah I do. It's distracteddrivingpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. That's right. We have a gmail. Okay. Well, uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. We will um, see you next time next for time. episode 18. Bye.